Hey everyone, this is Kristen. So we know that sometimes we use a little bit of coarse language on the show, but just a heads up, there's a little more in this episode. It's all super fun and hilarious, but in case you missed that E rating, you might want to listen to this when your kids aren't around. and welcome to Spawned, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase, and along with Liz Gumbiner, we're the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com. So listen, Liz is away on a business trip this week, so I'm holding down the fort, but lucky me, I've got a special guest, author Leslie Bruce, on this episode, and we're going to be talking about being a fucking awesome mom. Yes, there's going to be cursing on this show. So now's your chance. Put those earmuffs on your child and keep listening or turn it off and listen later when your children are asleep. But as always, we will close out our show with our cool picks of the week and we'll be right back after this. This episode of Spawned is brought to you by VSP Individual Vision Plans. Did you know one in four kids has an undetected vision problem? But not everyone has vision insurance. That's where VSP Individual Vision Plans come in. You can give the gift of great savings on frames, lenses, contacts, and eye exams, plus access to the largest independent doctor network in the country, along with a wide selection of frames to to fit every student's style. Visit GiveVSPDirect.com or call 855-958-4746 to give someone a VSP individual vision plan today. That's GiveVSPDirect.com or call 855-958-4746. Okay, so let me tell you a little bit more about our wonderful guest, Leslie Bruce. Here we go. Leslie Bruce is a number one New York Times bestselling author, a former U.S. weekly editor and founder of Unpacified. Her book, You Are a Fucking Awesome Mom. Can I just say I love saying that? So I'm going to say it again. You are a fucking awesome mom. Embrace the chaos. Get Over the Guilt and Be True to You just launched this past week, and it brings her trademark humor, heart, and honesty to the conversation of what it means to be a mom in this day and age. And what I love is that Leslie wrote this book because it's the book she wished she had when she first became a mom. If you can't tell from the title, it is hilarious. So welcome, Leslie. Hi, thank you so much for having me. We were talking a little bit before we started recording about a blog that I wrote called Motherhood Uncensored. It's actually how I started blogging. So I have a deep appreciation about how simultaneously you are very honest, but you're also super funny. And just a side note, I don't know if you knew this, but Cool Mom Picks was originally for like two weeks, cool mom shit. We are with you on the expletives. <laughs> I want to know though, were you always this bold and hilarious or did babies make you that way? I mean, I grew up on the South side of Chicago. So I came from a very how do you say, verbally liberal family. And I mean, it's funny though, right? Because I'm a child of the eighties and I knew better than to ever curse in front of my mom and dad. Like my mom had that stare oh, yes. where if I ever stepped out of line, I knew that there would be hell to pay when I got home. So even though I, I was around it, it was never something that was taboo. But I honestly think people are becoming more accepting 
of colorful language, especially when it comes to like titles of books these days. And the F word is specifically, I think, often reserved for like intense and high pressure moments, you know, in a sports arena, on a football field or Wall Street or whatever. And I personally don't think that there's anything more high stakes than motherhood. And I think that all moms from time to time really just need like a good old fashioned F-bomb. I am totally right there with you. You know, a true story. My children can have some colorful language every now and then. But my feeling is that you have to know your audience. So when you're at school, not so much. When you're in your room or you're in the closet or you're in the art room and you drop a paint, the F-bomb or the S-bomb or whatever kind of bomb, perfectly fine. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah, why not? So you talk a lot about and I love this. You talk about pre-baby life and post-baby life in your new book and how it's so starkly contrasted. You know, we have had a few guests on. You know this, but you're obviously not alone. But it's also something that's on a lot of people's minds. So Jen Schwartz, who runs Motherhood Understood, she spoke about this, particularly what I think for high achieving women. So I want to know what your thoughts are on how it got to be so surprising, right? That this was so hard. Did our moms not tell us? Were we not reading the right books? Like, why? Why did this happen? This is like such an onion. I think that really this is the vicious cycle because the reason we don't talk about our struggles is the very same reason we're struggling to begin with. Because like our generation of women have been raised for the most part, I feel, to believe that we can do it all and handle it all. Mm -hmm. And no one wants to be the first one to admit that they feel like they're failing, especially in this culture of women who are born to like, you know, conquer it. And so nobody talks about it. And since no one talks about it, we all think that other women aren't struggling. So it's like, that's where it's like this horrible, horrible carousel. But I just don't think that it's reserved for women who've seen success professionally. I think it's this like entire generation who are like having babies later. Statistically, I think we're having babies, I think three or four years later than we were even a decade ago. And therefore we're spending more time in adulthood and we're developing our identities. You know, in the past, my mom went from her parents' house to her husband's house and she had babies right after. And so she didn't have this time on her own to really develop who she was. And so for this generation of moms, like when motherhood comes along and asks us to sacrifice so much of ourselves as motherhood does, I think it's more difficult for us because we are more rooted. Yeah, that's such a great point. I honestly have not even thought about that until this very moment. And I think you're spot I don't know how that happened, but I think you're spot on. And we've seen it at Cool Mom Picks with kind of the evolution of the way baby wear baby products. I mean, when I had my daughter in 2004, it was like you suddenly got pregnant and you were obsessed with little piggies and elephants. You know, like, how did this happen? And now like everything is so much cooler. It really feels like the identity of the woman before she had kids is a continuation it's either, you know, more awesome or more tired after she has baby, but it's not as stark of a contrast, maybe back in 2004, but you're still seeing it today, right? It's 2019. Why do you think it's still happening other than, I mean, is there more beyond the fact that we have our identities? Is it, you know, for the longest time, people just thought it was great? Like, what do you think? Well, I think that A, yes, it's so much more than just our identities. I think that it's also women today are more likely, just people today are more likely to be further away from their hometowns, right? Ah. So we don't have the community. And I think that's in terms of like gear and stuff too. Like if you notice in the last probably decade, two decades, there's been a rise of like the baby carriers, which I don't remember seeing. It's because like we don't have hands to pass off our babies to because we don't live down the street from our moms. You know, my mom and her sister lived in like neighboring apartments when they 
they had their first kids and they would just kind of run back and forth. Like for the most part, women don't have the community that they used to have. So I think that that's a factor. And that's why we also see a rise of like night nurses and doulas and birthing coaches and whatever, because we need community. We were never meant to have babies on our own. And we're this like, you know, going back to what we were just speaking about, because we feel like we can handle it all, we don't ask for help. That's so interesting. I really love that point because I know, you know, I lived far away for pretty much all of my baby's lives. I just moved back to being kind of near family about four or five years ago. And I have four kids. So all of their very formative, very difficult, pull your hair out, never sleep years, I was right. really far away. And what I right. find fascinating is people, and again, I understand that not everyone can afford the luxury of a night nurse, a postpartum doula, all those sorts of things. But sure. it's fascinating that even having family close by feels like a luxury, right? Like it feels like, whoa, you can leave your child at your parents' house and go away for a weekend or even just have a night alone. Like to me, that was always a luxury. And you're right. Like that's something that was not like that was just regular, normal things. Yeah. 20, 25 years ago. Absolutely. Like when my mother was growing up on the South side of Chicago, she lived on the same street with her three aunts and her grandmother. And so it was always just like a revolving door of people coming in and just like spare hands to help out, to jump in, especially when you're coming home with my, my grandmother came home with a set of twins at 19 years old. So, I mean, if somebody needs help, that's that woman for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that we need to have community and in so many cultures around the world, it's still something that's very prevalent, but for some reason in the States, we're just not seeing it. And I think we're at a real loss for it. Like Mm -hmm. when I am at my most vulnerable, like just after having a baby, the last thing, I want to do is host my mom or my mother-in-law in my home. At the same time, like that's what we need the most. We need women that we can trust and rely on to like help take care of not only our babies, but of us, because we've just had a human being pulled from our body. Yeah. It's a pretty gnarly situation. Yeah. And you know, that's the thing that hasn't changed. Like so much, like technology has obviously made certain things easier, right? But the basic part of having a baby and the hormones and the emotions and the exhaustion, like that's the same from 50 years ago as it is today. We've had to adapt because like you said, we don't have family nearby. Um, One of the things I loved about this book is that you are very open about the challenges of new motherhood for the moms, right? So we always hear about when your baby's crying or like when he's, you know, da, 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 da. but you're like, let's talk about you ladies. And I want to know what was the hardest part for you personally? And maybe, you know, what did you see most with your own friends when it came to new motherhood for you? Not necessarily you know, with the the issues with diapers and all that kind of jazz. Right. You know, I think it's a little bit of what we said before. And I think the hardest part for me, or at least a large part of why I struggle is the self-sacrifice, right? Because mm-hmm. I say, and I say this in the book, like when you have a new baby, it's not just that your needs take a back seat to his or hers. My needs weren't even allowed in the car. Yes. Like they weren't even on the road with us. <laughs> Um, and listen, like I loved my baby endlessly. I was willing to make those sacrifices day in and day out. But even though I was willing to do them and wanting to do them, it didn't make the sacrifice any less challenging, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of in the same vein. I think it's also the idea that we're always letting someone or something down. Mm. That's something that I hear over and over again with women. We want to be everything for everyone and when we can't, it's it's really debilitating. Like, I can't read my daughter a book in bed, 
while rocking my teething baby to sleep in the next room and be sitting down with my husband for dinner and ordering all of the groceries to be delivered the next day and sending out that last email before. Like, I can't do it all at the same time. And for a woman who has really spent most of her life feeling like I could check off everything on my list, it is a devaluing experience to know that I was literally just like running to put out the next biggest fire, that there was no structure or order or anything to my day. Yeah, that was most difficult for me as well. I was a very young college professor. I was 28 when I had my oldest daughter, who's now 15. I was like the youngest person to start a music therapy program in a college. I was very high achieving. And then I had a baby who wouldn't sleep, didn't really love eating, had like weird poopy diapers, and there was no book. There was nothing. And I felt so incompetent. And I didn't know how to deal with that because when I felt like that in my regular life, you know, there were books or there were classes. I could take. There were things I could do, and I didn't have that. And I don't think we understand. I think if you've lived through it, then you know. But to try to explain that to someone who hasn't been in that position, I think is very difficult to explain that feeling right? of just not knowing what to do and feeling incompetent is really the best way I can describe it. Like, what do I do now? Helpless. Right. But I feel like it's also incompetent to like an exponential level because not only are you who's used to being able to figure it out, right? But if you were to fail before having a baby, it would be on your shoulders. Like you would be the one paying that piper. But now with your baby, if you're failing, you're failing your baby and yourself. Interesting. And that's a really hard thing because this is the person and this is the thing. This is for so many of us, our biggest achievement in so many ways. And we're letting that down. That is a really hard pill to swallow. And I think that that's when I feel like that failure that women wear in new motherhood because they don't know what's going on around them can get really dangerous for women. And that's why I really wanted to write this book. I wanted to tell that woman who was sitting there feeling like she's failing her baby that you can have a really hard day, a really bad day, and still be a fucking awesome mom. Yes. And thank you for acknowledging that because I know I was one of those people. And it's really great that you point out the fact that it's this feeling of I'm not doing this right. But then also I am, insert word, hurting, damaging, whatevering my baby. And I think that weight in some ways is so much heavier, right? This love, this feeling we have for this child is then kind of flipped into, oh my God, you know, I'm going to hurt them. Thank God they don't remember. Most things. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Most things, I say. I tell that to all the new moms. I'm like, they don't remember anything. I've asked my children. I promise you, they're very smart. They're in the gifted program and they don't remember (laughs) the time I did this. So we're all good. We're all good. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about self-care because this has become super buzzy now and everyone's talking about how we need to have self-care and it's not a luxury and all these kinds of things. You just kind of go like full force and you're like a selfish mom is an awesome mom, which is jarring, I think, for many people who are like, oh, selfish. Like, I don't want to be seen as selfish. But I love that you're just saying, like, this is it. Like, you got it. it, For me, it felt like, oh, she's really trying to change the way we're thinking about self-care. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, well, thank you. I think that the most selfless thing you can do for your child is to be selfish. Because if you are burning the candle at both ends and your nerves are fraying and you're snappy, all of the things that happen to you when you're feeling depleted and your battery is, you know, running low, your baby and your family deserve better than that. And they're feeding off of that. So I think that if you take the time 
to care for yourself. I know what I do when I take the time to care for myself and really do something that's meaningful. I come back and I'm a better person and my whole family reaps the benefits of that. So taking time to be selfish is actually a very selfless act for my family. You know, I've told people that if you can't swallow this whole like I need to get out of the house or I need to do something for myself, like go ahead and make it sacrificial and be like, it makes you a better mom. Yeah. Like, Because sometimes that's what it will take to get someone out. And I also feel like, and I don't know, we're going to talk about partners and um, spouses and all that, but what do you think about having someone who's like, you need to go now. You need to get out of the house. Go have coffee. I've got it. I feel like when you have someone, I know this is my opinion, I'm just jumping in, but my opinion is if you have someone who does that, it makes it a little easier. And so like call out to all the partners out there to just boot your wife or your partner out the door and be like, go, I've got it covered. What do you think about that? Absolutely. I feel like that's an awesome thing that my husband did the second time we had a baby. But the first time, I feel like my husband was so terrified to like be left alone with her that he was like, oh my God, you're not going anywhere, homegirl. Like sit down. We'll figure this out here. But not only is it something that we need to ask and encourage partners to do for the new moms in their life, but also your friends, the community, right? Mm -hmm. After my son was born, he's 15 months old. I had really bad postpartum anxiety. I had a really challenging pregnancy with him and, you know, it was touch and go for part of it. And so when he was born, I would like hover over him to Mm -hmm. watch him breathe. And my girlfriend picked me up and took me. Now, this is a luxury and I understand that, but we live four hours from Las Vegas. Oh, she well, there you me go. Up, yes. Threw me in the car, said, We're <laughs> going to go to dinner tonight in Las Vegas. We're going to play blackjack. We're going to go to bed. We're going to wake up early in the morning and we're going to drive home, but I need to get you out of here. And if I keep you in town, you're going to go home in the middle of the night. Yeah. And I felt like it was a luxury, but man, it was something that I needed. I needed to like trust that my husband was going to keep our baby alive for the 15 hours I was gone. I needed to trust the fact that he would remember me when I got back. I needed to trust in all of those things. And from the moment that I did that, every opportunity for self-care or taking time away was easier for me to do because I had already ripped that Band-Aid off. And so sometimes like starting small because a lot of women going away for the night isn't an option. Starting small and realizing that like your child will survive if you leave him or her for 30 minutes or if you decide to pop in a frozen pizza instead of like making a homemade meal because you wanted to go for a walk and listen to a podcast. Those are good places to start and then build up from there because having a happy, healthy mom equals a happy, healthy family. So you need to get out and do it. Otherwise, I think it's just, it's chaos in the home. Yeah, I like this idea of keeping it small. And it depends on the person too. Like with my first, I probably would have never gone away. But like my third and fourth, my fourth one was accidentally born at home. And accidentally, accidentally, and I went to the hospital, of course, in an ambulance. And they're like, Well, you know, we could keep you and do a couple, you know, because it wasn't a sterile environment. I'm like, Sure. So for 48 hours, I ordered bad hospital food, held the remote control. I didn't change one diaper (laughs) the whole time because I'm like, Hell yes. I need a little break and I'm going to get it in the form of an extremely high hospital bill (laughs) 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 that I didn't even use to birth my child. But I love that. That was it. I did it. I would never, I mean, with my first, I was like, do not change her diaper. She will stay in the room with me all night long. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. My second one, and this is what I tell all expectant women. I said, when you go to the hospital, use those nurses. I called a nurse in every 
time to swaddle my son. Every time I unswaddled him because nobody knows how to do a real tight swaddle like a maternity force. And also they love to do it. Yeah. They love being called in. And you're right, like the straight jacket swaddle. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like they're the champions of that. Okay, so we had a guest, Ophira Eisenberg, who is on NPR, and we love her. She's a comedian. She talked about how she wished that instead of birthing classes, that she had done some sort of co-parenting boot camp or like an escape room with her partner. <laughs> because having babies is so tough on your relationship. And I know you talk about this, too. And I'm wondering, what's your advice when it comes to parenting and keeping your relationship or your marriage? I, I want to say alive because sometimes that's all it is, is like basically like the bare bones. Like, do I, do I still like you? Yes. Okay, we're good. But what advice do you have? Oh, this is such a, I mean, it's so funny because as I'm talking to people about this book, so much of the book is about my interaction with my husband. And I notoriously in the book, um, throw his phone out the second story window of our house because he was <laughs> I pushed out the screen and I threw it out but in my defense I said to him if I see you looking at the ESPN app one more time I'm gonna lose my mind I give him a warning I mean that's a clear warning that's a clear warning so, so. in terms of advice like <laughs> <laughs> you know um, get good phone insurance yes number yes, one definitely I think that it kind of goes back to this like holy crap how did we not know what was going to be this hard I think it's sort of the same thing when it comes to your relationships. Part of it is that you don't understand as a couple what you're swimming through until you're already up to your neck in it, right? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. it's being aware as a couple that early on things are going to be rough. Like I tell all new moms, there's going to be a moment where you're going to sit alone in your bathroom and you're going to have tears running down your face and a really big glass of wine. And you're going to give yourself a pep talk about how you can do this on your own and that you don't need him <laughs> or her. That moment will most likely pass. It did for me. And as trite as it sounds, it's about communication. And it's about like, there's so much of early motherhood that only a woman can do for the baby. Yes. Right? Like physically, there's things that he just, my husband could not do. I feel like that unfortunately set the tone of like, okay, well, she's just going to handle it, right? I just like, want to say, yes, this is so, it's like basically like, well, I can't do that. So yeah, it's the dynamic and it sucks. It doesn't make it right, but I feel like that's just sort of where it comes from, right? And to remember that that's what happens to most couples. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that there's a quick fix, but establish expectations of what you're each going to manage. And I think shameless plug here, books like mine and what I'm doing is I'm laying out, like I have a chapter in the book called You Actually Won't Get a Divorce Probably. And, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I have this thing, what I call the parenting pie chart, right? Where 50% of having a child is the hands-on care. The other 50% is the administrative work of having a baby. Yes. You know, like yes. it's researching diapers and organic bed sheets, I'm sure. And like what paint you can use and what bottles I should be using and how to do first foods. And oh my God, what does that rash mean? And then it's like making doctor's appointments, planning all of like the milestone moments, you know, ordering all of the medicine and memorizing. It's all of that shit that my husband had no idea. And so I'm trying to put it very out there that like there's a whole half of the pie that you aren't seeing and you need to get it on. The yes, I'm so for this because also women typically, I mean, there's been studies about this. We carry the mental load. I mean, we're carrying like the load like in our bellies, <laughs> literally, but we're also carrying the mental load. And I think it's hard to give ourselves permission to let go of that, at least for some people. It would be hard for me to do. But 
that is a really important part. So I'm glad you're acknowledging like all of those things because sometimes we just do them and we don't even think. We're like, we're just making the doctor's appointments. We're just buying the Advil. Like we just do it. And so laying it out and being like, you know what? I don't know what mattress we should use. I don't know what this, like go for it. And know your partner's strengths. Like if that's something that they're really good at, like if they can go research their fantasy football team, they can freaking go research which diaper brand is the best. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Play to their strengths. Absolutely. You know, my husband, we have this joke in our family that like he notoriously loads the dishwasher like really, really poorly. Like it's a horrible job and he keeps doing it because he knows eventually I'm going to fix it. And I just, you have to stop fixing it for them. Yes. Like it's the same thing that I do with my preschooler. If she does something wrong, she's going to have to be burdened with the consequences of it. And unless it's something like life threatening or like going to put me out, like my husband's going to figure it out. And I have to trust that like he loves my kids enough to keep them alive and to keep them safe. But if she's having a meltdown because she doesn't want to wash her hair, I'm not going to jump in there and save the day. Like he can figure it out with her. I'm going to go sit in my closet. Yes. And the thing is, like, they'll be okay. And the dishes may need another run in the dishwasher or whatever it is. But I I think it's also like empowering dads and partners too, and making them a part of this. And I think it can be very easy for us to feel like there's so much that we do physically that we have to do it all. And you're in this with somebody else. I mean, not everyone is. But, you know, if you are in this journey with a partner or a spouse, there are so many things that they can do to be a part of it that might not be nursing um, the baby or getting up in the middle of the night and nursing the baby or whatever other things. They're a part of it. And it's better for you and it's better for the kids. It's great for them to see two points of view. It's great for them to have daddy who is fixing diapers with duct tape or, you know, like, like it's all good. It's okay. They're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. Absolutely. If I may, my girlfriend gave me this best piece of advice. It was a couple weeks into having my daughter and I started applying and it was awesome. She said to me, make your husband do bath time every night. Mm-hmm. And at first I like, I bulked the idea. I'm like, I don't, was he going to use the right soap? Is he going to wash the right parts? Is he going to have a, a, a warm cloth over her belly? So she doesn't get a chill. It's like, you know, all of these things I wanted to micromanage it. But as soon as I started letting him do that, at first he fumbled a little bit, right? He didn't really know, but I removed myself from the room. I ate dinner with two hands and 20 minutes later, she came out clean bath times are usually pretty happy times for kids, right? They like them, they splash around, whatever. And so then over the course of the next few weeks, he got so confident in it. It was a good bonding moment for them. He felt really good about something that he knew how to do better than me. And it was it was like a win for everybody. And when I put that in the book, I remember my editor was like, dads need more than one responsibility. And I said, well, it's the same thing like a child. You just kind of start them out small and let the like momentum build from there. <laughs> it's like a snowball and it can turn into an avalanche if you just give it a little push <laughs> down the mountain. Okay, so, you know, when it comes to social media, we love it for connecting. Obviously, like, you know, Cool Mom Pixisville, like you have a wonderful audience on social media yourself. So it's it can be an awesome place, but it can also be pretty difficult to navigate when you see all the perfect moms doing all the perfect things. I, I don't know, like, I feel like we have this conversation and we we, we know that things aren't like that, but we still are like, oh, but it's so pretty. It's so nice. Why can't my nursery look like that? So I'm wondering what, what your thoughts are about social media, especially for new moms. I mean, I have so many thoughts on this. I've actually done talks where I've spoken about the Instamom phenomenon, which is uh, what yes. I call it. Yes. And I 
believe that social media is a large part of why we're seeing women struggle so much today. I know mm. it's a large part of why I struggled when my daughter was born and the correlation and rise of all the perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, which is the same thing we're seeing among teens with social media. All of these things are interrelated. And I mean, I know when I had my daughter, I felt like I was failing my new little person because our life together looked nothing like what I was seeing on Instagram, right? Like I wasn't doing monthly updates written in flower petals and I wasn't like bathing her in like a galvanized tub. She wasn't wearing like- <laughs> You weren't dressing her up at nap time and costumes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have like a boho braid and like I wasn't wearing, you know, my skinny jeans with like a forearm fold of gold bangles during magic hour, like on a velvet couch. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes. and even though I'm an intelligent woman, who could recognize this for what it is, when you're so far in the weeds, like you can't see the forest for the trees. Yeah. Which yeah. I think is too many landscaping metaphors, but you understand what I'm saying. Yes. Well, again, you're exhausted. You're just exhausted and you're not thinking straight. I think there's so much going on. Yeah. But as much as I thought that I was failing my daughter, I think what was really happening is we were failing one another as moms by not being honest about our journey. I mean, that's a large part of the reason that I started my platform Unpacified because I wanted to scream from the rooftops and remind women that's not real life. Like, I understand that there is a place for social media and the kind of the Pinterest world that we live in. You want pretty things and you want to see them, but like you have to take them with a grain of salt. And if they're not making you feel good about your life, like unfollow. There are so many platforms out there right now that are really helpful to new moms who are going through it. Like, like lactation specialists who will talk to you about like how the best way to use your pump. Like there's so much out there that's good for you. Like take all the other shit away. Yeah, that's a great point. And I, you know, I we love social media. It's how I met Liz, you know, and we run Cool Mom Picks together. And we hadn't even met in person. We met on, you know, the internet. No social media back in 2005 and six. But, you know, that concept of being able to connect with people. And you're right, the resources, you can go on YouTube and see if your latch is wrong. I mean, there's so many things that we didn't have when we had babies. But on the flip side, it's very easy to get sucked into it. And what I always thought was interesting is like, we know that when you look, and you, you were in the magazine world. So, you know, like you look at magazines, you know. You know that they had a makeup artist. You know that they had a stylist. Like, you know all those things. But social media, it's, it's become kind of the same. Like, these people have stylists sure. and they're taking 400 photos. But for whatever reason, you're like, well, they're just like me. And so everything they do must be real. <laughs> you know? Right. And it's not. It's not. And so I always try to think, like, I love looking through Instagram, but I remember that it's like a magazine. Yeah. And if I took 400 photos, I probably, well, maybe not, but I probably could get one where my double chin wasn't showing. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, I hear you. And it's a tightrope that I have to walk because a large part of my platform is through social media and using Instagram to bring women to my platform where I want to be able to be like a voice of reason for them and help support them and lift them up during their trying times as a mom. But in order to get their attention, I have to walk that tightrope of like curating a beautiful page because people don't want to look at crap. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's finding that balance. And so I'm the first person to say when they come to a page and they see a beautiful photo, like I had a glam squad this morning. I get paid to do this. This is part of my business. And here's the real, real of what was happening behind this photo and the, what I had to do to bribe my daughter and, you know, the lighting that we had to get and how like my dog toys are pushed out of the, <laughs> the, the, the frame. Because I want to remind women, like, this is not my real life. And I say that up front. This is not my real life. And I don't want you to compare your journey to anyone else's because I guarantee 
what you look around and see in your room, in your home, is what is in everyone else's home too. They're just not putting it up on Instagram. Yeah, they, yeah, they're just, they're not. They're closing the door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're closing the door like all of us. Okay, so your book is You Are a Fucking Awesome Mom, Embrace the Chaos, Get Over the Guilt, and Be True to You. It launched this week. It's available everywhere, anywhere you get books. You can find this book. It is a wonderful gift if you know someone who has a sense of humor. Even if they don't have a sense of humor, there's a little asterisk in the fucking, so you're fine. (laughs) This is such a great book to give to someone and just say, you've got this. It's going to be okay. Read this book. It's so funny. And I, I, you know, you mentioned Instagram. Can you just tell our listeners where they can connect with you on social media? Yes, please. I'm at, at Leslie and Bruce and with an E or at unpacified.com. I'm very fortunate that I have so many people reaching out to me right now and I'm trying to respond to everybody. So if you want to talk about this crazy journey, that's where I am and I want to hear from you. Awesome. And of course, we will link everything up. We will link up Leslie's book and all of her social handles and her website over on our Cool Mom Picks podcast page. All right. So we will be right back after this. If only I had known about today's sponsor, VSP Individual Vision Plans, a couple of years ago when my daughter was complaining about weird, atypical vision symptoms. Her eyes would get a little blurry and the words would run together, but she was passing all of her eye tests at school and a pediatrician with flying colors. No headaches, no squinting, but since I wear glasses myself, I figured I'd take her to the eye doctor and turns out she had an undetected vision issue and needed glasses. And you know what? She's not the only one. One in four kids actually has an undetected vision issue. But I don't have vision insurance. So yeah, that visit was expensive. Well, with VSP individual vision plans, you can get awesome savings on frames, lenses, contacts, and eye exams, plus access to the largest independent doctor network in the country. And let me just say, They have a huge selection of super cool frames. And what's so awesome is that you can actually give this as a gift to someone. If you'd like to give someone a gift of a VSP individual vision plan, you can head over to their website. It's givevspdirect.com. That's givevspdirect.com. Or you can pick up the phone and call 855 958 Four seven four six. Okay, it's time for Cool Picks of the Week. Cool Picks of the Week. And Leslie, you are my guest tonight. You get to go first. Oh, thank you so much. Um, well, beyond my book, which is out now, of course. I <laughs> You know, my cool pick of the week, I'm a huge, huge fan of all of the Kristen S. uh, hair products at Target. She's a celebrity hairstylist, and she has this amazing line that's, like, super affordable. And she has the shampoo, my seller shampoo, and it is a must for any mom. I put so much dry shampoo and so much gunk in my hair to avoid washing it, and this shampoo is, like, an awesome – it's like Christmas in a bottle. It, like, clears your scalp. Your hair looks amazing. It gets rid of all the crap. It's 
amazing. Okay, first of all, never heard of this. Second of all, how does she spell Kristen? Is it an I-N or an E-N? It's an I-N. Okay, so Kristen S. I have not seen this, and I've been, like, trying different shampoos. I'm with you. Like, I try not to wash my hair because it always looks much better, like, on the third or fourth day. (laughs) So it's like, oh, I got to wash it. So this is great. Our listeners love these kind of picks. Also, an excuse to go to Target is always welcome. (laughs) So fantastic. All right, so we will link that one up on our website. Okay, so my cool pick of the week is this new post we just launched over on Cool Mom Tech. So my son is in middle school and he got his first school issued laptop. And when people were like, where is she going with this? (laughs) It's a school issued laptop, people. That's where I'm going. Um, And we were like, oh, okay. And I write a tech site. I should know what to do. But I was like, what do I do? Does he like, what do I need to know? And we have an amazing group. It is our Out Tech Your Kids Facebook group. And I just posed a question in there. I'm like, hey, everybody, got a school issued laptop. What do I do? And everyone weighed in. They were like, label your charging cable, you know, make sure you buy the insurance. Like it's so helpful for, so for those listeners of you who have older kids, maybe they're in middle school, maybe you're, they're getting laptops in elementary school now. I don't know. This is such a helpful post. It's called 10 Things You Need to Know Before You Use a School-Issued Laptop, and we will link it up over on our podcast page. So anyway, good stuff over there. And, you know, the technology stuff, you feel like you've got a handle on it. You're like, I'm so good with this stuff. And then you get a laptop. (laughs) And you're like, son, they check everything you search. So please do not search anything questionable because I don't want to get that phone call. (laughs) Please. That's terrifying. You're not in that territory yet, right? No, not yet. I'm so scared for technology in like the next 10 years. No, I know. It's going to be, well, it's going to be interesting. Of course, we were all like, oh, you know, like a a watch you talking to? Never. And then here I am talking to my children on FaceTime on my wrist. I can't believe this is happening. Anyway, huge thanks to our guest, Leslie Bruce, and thanks to you for joining me for another episode of Spawn. Don't worry, Liz will be back next week, and we've got a whole bunch of awesome guests. Huge thanks to our engineer, John Bowen. And hey, listen, there are a few things that you can do to help us spread the word about Spawn. You can subscribe. You can download or save our episodes. You can leave us a five-star review. And honestly, the best thing, tell a friend or family member about our podcast. We have to brag a little. Huge thanks to India Vogue for picking Spawn as one of their favorite parenting podcasts. Thank you so much. We were super surprised. And of course, very thrilled. Now, if you're a listener, then you're a part of our Spawned podcast community. But if you want to make it official, sorry, we do not have any pins or buttons or secret handshakes. We do have a Facebook group. So you can find our group through the link on our podcast page, along with Leslie's book and anything else we talked about. Of course, our cool picks of the week. Or you can just search Spawned Podcast Community on Facebook. We would love to have you join us to chat about everything we talk about here. And well, Anything else you want to chat about, we are game for. Thanks so much for listening to Spawn. This is Kristen. Have a great day.